Damn it. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Lord, make me a Where's he is here? Oh, yes. What is rich? Never oh, get him again, never get him again. Oh, no. Can't be serious. That is some bullshit, brother. In the beginning, in fact, we thought that we were Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Bullshit. 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 You are not even real. I was what? Do you have questions about the cocktails that we're all drinking? Yeah, uh, we're gonna do a segment here called Cocktails with Dan. Today we're drinking a. Uh, it's a riff on an old fashioned. Uh, we have mm-hmm. we have a vanilla infused simple syrup with a little bit of apple uh, bitters, Angostura bitters for just a hint of cinnamon. <laughs> And, um, Is that what I'm tasting? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I saw that you had the vanilla infused simple syrup, and I was like, you know, be good. Some cinnamon infusion, a little bit of apple quality. Mm. It's not exactly seasonal for the summer, but you know. Boy, I, I love me some vanilla. Me. And then we're using uh, only the very, very best uh, 101 Wild Turkey. Mm. So there we go. This podcast is brought to you by Wild Turkey. (laughs) Back to you. God, wouldn't that be an amazing first sponsor, though? Oh, that'd be the best. I absolutely refuse any sponsors that are not alcohol (laughs) brands. Alcohol cigarettes. Yeah. I want cigarettes. Marlboro, if you guys are listening, just all the worst things. Smith and Wesson. Well, on that note, we're here with two of my favorite people that I met during my time at seminary. Day Thompson and Tawana Benbow. Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've actually never said your last name before. And I got a slight tinge of like, oh no, is this right? Yes. I've never like in the middle you. of the word. <laughs> I was like, like, oh no. Did I do that? Never say your last name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have no need to say it. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Day and T, as I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to let you guys intro yourself and then I'll probably piggyback on that with what I know of you. So, Day, you want to go first? <laughs> who, who, who are you, Day? Um, spiritually speaking. <laughs> spiritually speaking. <laughs> In like an abstract existential sense. Right. <laughs> who are any of us? Oh, we're also here with Ashley. I'm sorry, Ashley, I don't know your last name. Adams. Adams. Can we... Do you... Do you can I, can I tell everybody that you're here? Yeah. Would you like to <laughs> this, is the first, this is the first time the podcast has had an audience. We have a live studio audience for this podcast recording. We really made it. Uh, I did some extensive warm-up with Ashley before. Got her ready to laugh, ready to clap. Yep. Uh, we have the applause sign ready to go. And we're currently liquoring her up right now, too. So Yeah, be, I'm, I'm a pro. Yep. Dan knows what he's doing. <laughs> With that note, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Day. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter from Chicago. Um, I go to Fuller Seminary. I'm in my well, my last quarter's next quarter, so I'm almost done. Mm, just living the California dream, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you are. What is what is your emphasis at Fuller? Uh, well, if I hadn't like switched that, because I went from. Uh, MD, uh, MAT to MDiv back to MAT. Christians okay. love acronyms. By MAT. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Does everybody in here have a master's? I'm the least educated guy in here. Oh, right hush now. your mouth. I read independently. That <laughs> counts. <laughs> so I went from a, a master's of arts and theology okay. to a master's of divinity back to a master's of arts and theology. Okay. And my emphasis would have been worship, theology, and arts, but. 
I don't want to pay for the extra class that I need to make Sometimes it. seminary will wear you down. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. I hear. I'm just trying to get out. Yeah. If <laughs> I'm ready to go. Colton, yours was a MAT? MAT, yeah. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Masters cool. of Arts in Theology with an emphasis in Theology and the Arts. Mm-hmm. Got really it. Like the Arts emphasis. Yeah. Yes. I feel, I feel yes. like the I arts. have one. Yeah. I feel like I have one now after all these acronyms. <laughs> you could basically be a part of the seminary crew yeah. just yeah. for how much you know about the system mm-hmm. now. Do you see what I'm saying? Totally. Just speak that over here. Yeah, so you get the MAT, now you know what to say. Just hanging out with Colton. My full education. I'm exhausted. You catch the Absolutely. Yes. Your education is exhausting me. Please stop. And Mr. Wanna? Nah. Uh, I went to Fuller. Why did I bang on the table? Do you see doing the things? I went to Fuller. I went to Fuller. So graduated last... I'm still mad about it. Graduated last summer with my MAT, with emphasis in theology. And Colton and I took like what? Like everything together? Pretty much. Yeah. It's great. It's like every class. Cold, what's up? <laughs> um, and so now I am at Pacifica Graduate Institute getting, not like I need it. Another master's, master's, like a third master's. Yes, just, them, just and then because. PhD, right? There we go. Yes, in mythological studies. You just keep rolling into programs that debt collectors can't catch yeah. you. Do you see what I'm saying? Stay at it. You, you know I've got this whole loan forgiveness thing already <laughs> on lock. Yeah, you know? what's that? I just did my, I just redid my loans and it's like, hey man, if you you got this debt for like 20 years, we'll let you go. Come like, on now. And I'm, wait, what? This is about my fifth <laughs> degree. Is, yeah. so, so I'm thinking that by the time I'm done with the, the PhD, undergrad is done. First master's yeah, yeah, yeah. paid totally. for. So yeah, I'm just rolling they that crazy train. Come on. Go after this, go to nursing school. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Get a law degree. Way degree that I entirely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, man. Good. Uh, fun sidebar. Uh, I know, I don't know, Day, we've been, we're meeting for the first time, but I know no, Tawana. We meet for like the. Uh, oh, shit, really? Yeah. How many times have we met? Probably the third time. No oh, shit. No. God. It's because I'm black, it. it's cool. It's cool. Uh, I do all of the substances. So <laughs> yeah. That is more a me thing than a you thing. Colton, <laughs> edit all of this yeah. out. I want all of this gone. What a great I'm host. so sorry. I'm this is so my guest sorry. Oh, man. See, we're already kicking in the shame, so this is good. This will be good, because when we get to race and stuff, it'll already have like, the this lowest. Pre- oh, no, I brought that baggage into the room. <laughs> it was like, hey, hey, hey. Have it packed. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. Um, but Tawana, you and I both shared the role of God we in, did. A, in a film. <laughs> Different manifestations of God. Just a little bit. Uh, I, I like to imagine my God is closer to Tawana. I don't like imagining God like me at all. <laughs> oh, well, we could deconstruct that for a little bit. Seriously, like my God, a black woman. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're both here. Um, I think both of you could honestly, we could have you on for two hours separately, mm. and now we've got you together. And honestly, that's just a personal selfish move on my part because I love you both, and I don't get to see you ever. So I was like, if I get him in the same place at the same time. <laughs> and then I got Ashley thrown in, so it was like it worked out perfectly. So, yeah, you, know? you know, I figured since we're white males, we should be in the minority for this conversation. So oh, okay. I know. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh. Nice. Just kind of live into that space. Now, I will, I will say, though, so 
this this is a topic as a white male in America. This is a topic that has become more interesting to me of late because I have kind of intentionally had to seek education on this stuff mm-hmm. and uh, read and listen uh, because I was not raised in America. So for most of my life, uh, it's cool. My parents are missionaries, missionaries. so I grew up overseas. I grew up in Thailand, Cambodia, and Eastern Europe, which is white, but it's like white, like Italians are white. So it's like not (laughs) super white. It's not like me white. Um, It's a a Latin (laughs) culture. It's a Latin culture. And I definitely, everywhere I lived, I definitely stood out as an American. Okay. So I, I sort of, um, I sort of like came to America with this sense of outsiderdom with this oh, sense of okay. not belonging huh. but then immediately because of my appearance everybody just sort of has all kinds of assumptions and they're like hey you're just you're just part of us we're a big club here you're in <laughs> right and you're in and I was like well I don't, I don't understand what do you mean like what what's the club so now I've been in America uh, I moved back when I was 18 went through oh, college okay. and for oh. And for a long time, was one of those people who was like, yeah, it's post-racial America. Like, everybody's just on the same plane. We're, everything's equal. We're all good. And then having to, like, learn as I've gotten older, been like, oh, no. No, 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 Not the case. Well, it seems like civil rights is something that, like, as a white person, you study in the past. Like, yes. you study, like, women's suffrage, and you yes. study Martin Luther King and Malcolm mm-hmm. X and all these people that like revolutionize the system and then when we were all in seminary together was like when shit was hitting the fan because yeah. when I met you Day we were doing the Wailing Wall painting for uh, for um, uh, Michael, uh, for Michael uh, Brown and Ferguson, Ferguson. Had, mm-hmm. Ferguson had just happened mm-hmm. I think it was like after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. um, and we were there and we actually kind of got like in a little bit of a yeah. tip over I was like I don't know I was like, like, I don't this like, guy such a beautiful company I was like no 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 he's good she's cool you're too looking like I'm like you got this white boy around here I Bro, we have yeah. a rapport, and he was—he did his little thing, and he said, "But you know what, T? I got—I gotta say something." And this is why we're so close to Colt mm-hmm. because Colt doesn't just—he just doesn't go along. With, he'll ask, he'll give pushback, but not pushback. Oh yeah, totally. A, he's in a, but not pushback. It's like it fucking sucks. Dare I say? Dare I say? Not pushback in a white privilege kind of way. Sure. But pushback in a different kind of way, and that's what sparked these things and before yeah. it was over we came up yeah. with wildfire yeah. were like, it was I just, know we actually did it like, it that burned out for my for my sake what happened what was that instance yeah oh oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested in it from I'll your even, point I know him I, yeah. I've, I've got I have like I have <laughs> I to I have to, I have to have parties where I'm like well this person can't come because Colin's gonna be there so like wow that's actually true the thing that we like were like kind of Button heads over because Colton was saying how you know his family came into America like you know worked hard immigrants and like yeah. this idea of like white privilege and what is that and yeah. you know um, and like me trying to explain like it's not like it's not it's not about like what your family has done it's about the system that mm. is that yeah. is that play that it's like invisible but not invisible at the same time so it's not like it doesn't have anything to do with you as a person it doesn't make make you racist it doesn't make you any of this is that there's a system at play that white people benefit from that they don't even realize they benefit from like you said like you know you had to you had to learn that you had to realize like oh shit like shit's not the way that it, it seems you know Yeah. and I think at that time I mean I don't know 
I don't know what Colin. I don't. I, I, we haven't had a, con- a race conversation in a while, but yeah, um, yeah. He's a white supremacist now. Yeah, no, I completely <laughs> <laughs> The thing that I thought was so valid in Colt's argument took a, took a massive shift. It's like, it's like you know what? This is what happened. What happened? He's like, yeah. I, just, I had to hide all that shit before you guys came over. It's, it's like it's like a paper. No, but what I thought was so valid about his, yeah, what was so valid about Colt's argument was like, people are looking at me and judging me, Mm -hmm. looking at me as if I'm Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, just (laughs) this model, just modeled. He was like, but they don't know my story, so (laughs) that's balding. No, no, not my girl is nice. Um, He's like, I think it's the appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Just the right amount. What a trial! People just look at you and think, ugh. He's a model. Guys, stop. Stop. It's like you break this hard. You talk about your grandparents. Mm -hmm. I did. I love my grandparents. You know, and so we started on the t-shirt, like, see me. See me as an individual. As an individual, not as like, I'm a white person, which is, I'm making the most of my white privilege. and So that was, I think that was the common ground. That was, I mean, and I I felt that because it's like, I feel like in all this, like, I, I, I see... Like, I understand why, like, you know, like, people, like, judge. Especially, like, I know for black folks, like, most times we can see white people as, like, oh, like, you know. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, this idea of, like... Uh, pass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, Mark, Mark, my kind of, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, like, you know, this idea of, like, you know, just being so frustrated where we get, like, blinded by that. But then it's, like, like having friends that are of a different race than I am, it's, like... You do have to see a person as an individual. You can't put everybody in a box. It's like we're doing. It's like the same cycle of like, yeah. You know, we we hate it when people do it to us, mm. but then it's like in, in return because of how they've done it to us, we do it we to do them. It so to it's, it's a reason for why it happens. But it's like yeah. if we recognize like, okay, to break this, we need to be like, okay, well, not every white person is like like how not every black person is like. So it's like, right. but it's I mean it's hard because of the history and mm-hmm. things that come along with it. But it's like, when you said that to me, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, we like we do need to see each person as an individual, get to know the person, and then, then right. make, you know, not make judgment, but then, like, take it for what it Assess is. It. You know, like, I, assess, assess, yeah. I appreciate you having such a kind stance mm-hmm. on that. However, I will talk shit on the white population. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have every right to right. get it. Because, because as, uh, again, 18 years old, coming into college, I went to school in the South, and the first thing I got wow. uh, from, a, from a Christian university in the South mm. is this, this, um, this narrative of like, oh, well, like, uh, I'm not racist, I'm colorblind. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that that's the word. that's the reaction. Right. This that that was the first thing I was introduced to coming into America, and of course, I'm only introduced to it by white people. And so I'm like, I guess we all are. I guess oh I guess everybody. That's tough. And I think that I think the difference is like again, it's it's very kind of you to be like, well, yeah, we have to see you as individuals, and we would like to be seen as individuals ourselves. But the problem is, is that as white people in America, we are never forced to acknowledge the of fact course. that there is this huge cultural divide mm-hmm. whereas from childhood an african-american child is yeah. like mm-hmm. very no, early true. on is forced yeah, to acknowledge the fact true. that there's a difference whereas you can grow you can you can be 25 years old be a white person and never know there's a problem what i'd like to jump back on is that word colorblindness mm-hmm. and just and you know i i didn't realize how taboo that word was until of late over the last couple of years with with the with race and identity class and, uh, um, you know uh, because being an artist 
you know, uh, and in acting, it's colorblind casting. Oh, so yeah. that means that I, you know, <laughs> that work that that Oscars are what a mess. You, know, right. you talk about a method. Well, I guess if it's colorblind, it doesn't matter who you pick. So because everybody looks the same, everybody's wow. the same, right? So if so, you pick all white people, yeah. they could have thought that they were black. You yeah. see what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and that, I think, it was actually the most fair thing they right, could have done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. It, I didn't. You didn't really look at it yeah. from. My my background is very different. Growing up around white people all my life, I think we was all colorblind because we had to be because I didn't see other black people, and so literally there is an element to it, but it's different. And the way the word gets thrown around is is almost like a it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. From with regards it's a cr- to what, it's a justification almost. Yeah. It's, it's so you don't have to do any yeah. further work. There you go. And the thing that I felt with you, and the thing I can't. I, for all the, the my ups and downs and the race conversation and the things that I've completely fucked up in my life where I've just said the wrong thing and thought the absolute most worst thing possible out of ignorance. You're okay, buddy. There's great. <laughs> <laughs> There's been seasons. Thank you. I think when I ran into you today, though, I was at a season of life, thankfully, where I was like, I wanted to own it and I just needed a safe space. And so Tawana has always felt very safe for me. When I met you, I was like, this feels a little more risky, like Mm -hmm. tough, a little tough. Like I can tell from like our first interactions on the wall. I'm like, I don't know if she really wants to get to know me or not. (laughs) And we were just like talking about the Michael Brown case. Mm -hmm. And, and it was like, I was like 50, 50 on you. And I I trusted Tawana all the way. So I was like, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. The fact that she's friends with you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I remember this being the spark was like, okay, so someone can, can you just help me understand it doesn't feel black and white. Mm. Like it doesn't feel like this guy was a saint who got shot. Yeah. Like just from that perspective alone, help me understand how this feels to you mm. given like what the news is breaking right now. Yeah. Cause all I know is what I'm seeing exactly. and then, and we can get into the media later, but like, that's all I had understood. So I was like, you guys seem to be on a very like clear point of view about this. Mm-hmm. I am in a very gray place with it. I am neither for or against or completely hating police or completely for yeah. Michael Brown. I, I don't, land on either of those sides so like sway me please because mm-hmm. you seem to have more information more intangible yeah. information than I have um, and I so. think I think for me like at that moment like I think if it like had it been like maybe like a couple days down the line yeah right, it would have been fresh. like I, I, I was <laughs> no, fr- we I was, were, was we pissed were. well first of all pissed because everybody at Fuller was acting Go, yeah, do yeah, it. Da- You're da- almost da- done. <laughs> the way that we had to fight for that wall? No, because no, yeah. the whole thing that pissed me off, it was just so I, much I, I think I walked into a little bit of that tension. The night that it happened, there was the freaking Something uh, art night. Out, and then people were crying. Like, like, like the African-American students, like we would just look at each other and bust out And everybody crying. just, everybody just like, you know, and then like, you know, and then it was just, it was just weird. It and, was then, and then it just felt like, it, then there was other people that were just like, you know, because I have... I can't, I can't say right, well, we, right, we edit right. out. Oh. I don't know because I, you know, I have like relatives that are <laughs> of color and, you know, I just, I, you know, I feel for it, but it's just like, mm, it's like, you don't understand because this is not your experience. And it's like, yet again, another, another person is going to get off for shooting somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Like just blatant, like just Taking like, life, just, you know, that's the crazy thing from being white because I don't. I had no emotional connection to that at all. Right. So it was like, okay, it seemed like a guy got in a fight with the cops. The cops shot the guy that was in a fight with him, and it's over. But my friends are weeping. So you I can't. So you're like, there's a gap yeah. somewhere yeah. I mean, that I'm, I'm not. Part of the where's story. the threat? Right. And like you said, you got to take him. 
in 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 into account. You know your friends. You right. love your friends. Right. You know I did. You're like, but you're crying. But see, this is the difference. What this? That was sympathy that we were getting. Mm. You were like, I need to empathize with why my girls or where my friend. Yeah, Yeah. why are you all crying? Like you're in pain, and I need to know why. You were desiring empathy. Do you see? You wanted to really know. And and, and piggyback on the empathy thing. Like I think that's the thing that separates people from understanding. Like they want to have sympathy sympathy you yeah. can you can step outside and just be like oh mm, that person's sad but empathy the 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 pre- prefix the thing before right, that, right. it means to enter into yes come on come on come on mm-hmm. i don't know what sympathy it probably means like I don't know. Surfing. To I don't be a know. puss. It feels like you when don't you have see to sympathy give, cards. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. like sympathy. I, I hate when sympathy is given to me, so I don't like it's to like give pity. it to anybody. That's, that's, that's exactly. It that's it's exactly just a different vibe. Like people, P P pity. Yeah, 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 yeah. remember. I guess. I guess we might have just answered this, but like, how do you feel included? And valued by white communities without feeling pandered to. Because hmm. I feel that in the church. I'm like, God, you guys are pandering to them so hard right now with the language or with the celebration. Uh, I'm like, maybe it doesn't feel that way. Uh, maybe it doesn't. But, like, there's just some things I've encountered in Christian community that feels, I guess, more sympathy than empathy. So how do you... Christians is- suck so much in so many capacities. <laughs> <laughs> Common. Well, I mean- in, what, in what specific ways, like... Uh, what are, what is like stuff that needs to stop happening? Where you're like you're pandering. Stop doing that. Stop. As far as black issues, yes. Okay. As far as like, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll let her get. So I'll just say I step on the outside of this, which is why we had a big debate and not us, but I I well I haven't been in a while, but I I belong to black church tradition, mm-hmm. and so me going into a white Christian environment <laughs> and feeling pandered, I don't ever get that because mm-hmm. when I am at church, I it's a homogeneous unit. Got it. I'm going in and stepping across the threshold and I just brief interlude that was that's important to me and I fight for the homogeneous unit because of this thing that you're speaking about mm. I've always been raised around white people all my life first black family in our neighborhood first black little girl at the uh at my elementary school so you know always so the only choices that I've made where I was surrounded by my own was when I went to an HBCU which I made a choice to do and when I go to church on a Sunday can you say what HBCU North Carolina A&T are you right? I was born in Hampton, Virginia, spent the first 10 years in Anderson, Indiana, and then my formative years up until I was 18 um, in Lexington, Kentucky. That is how, how are you never exposed to African-American communities as a child? Like, are your... Um, Oh, well, what it was, well, what it is, is, I mean, I mean, and this is, this, this is what happens with middle class blacks. My father worked uh, for Delco Remy and IBM. And so as a middle class family, we were afforded the right to live in predominantly white neighborhoods. And so when I would (coughs) get my black experience, it was always to go to church. We go to the inside town to go to church, but we had the opportunity to live in middle class white America. Oh, that's a huge. Oh, uh, yeah, no, and I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to. I don't want to take a stand like a huge sidebar. I'm just interested. Was there a point? Um, was there an age where you remember really specifically feeling apart from that white community that you had been surrounded by your whole life? Was there a point where you realized 
I'm some sort of other. I'm can some I, kind of Can outside. I just be really honest? And poor day, she's heard the story a gazillion times. <laughs> We have to bring in God with mm. that, with the favor, because it wasn't until my latter year, like in my 30s. Mm. Now I'm like, oh, no. Do you know when it was? Quite frankly, I was in the 12th grade mm. and I had gone to the movies and I saw Boys in the Hood and it shattered mm. my life. You haven't oh. seen that Stop This it, Podcast. Right. Oh, right. You, you need to watch It's probably on Netflix, Hulu. You, it's, it's, it's playing, it's playing, playing on BET. You know what I'm saying? It's July 12th, 1991. It was my second birthday, and little did I know things would never be the same. Because that's also the day Boys in the Hood came out. Our shared birthday is really the only thing Boys in the Hood and I have in common. As a white kid from the Burbs, I had no experience with the lifestyle of Trey Styles and his best friends when I first saw it. My childhood was far more like the Sandlot, Stand By Me and a little bit of Superbad mixed in there together. But when I watched Boys in the Hood as a grown man having lived in Los Angeles for almost a decade and developing friendships with people who grew up on the other side of the tracks, it made much more sense. Part of why I've spent years studying film is for the simple reason that it allows us to experience worlds we otherwise would or could never experience. Film is a catalyst for conversation. Conversation is a catalyst for change. We can't change what we don't talk about and racism for a long, long time after the 60s civil rights boom passed into relative silence. Chuck Palahniuk, the author of Fight Club, says that for young people to change the world, we must first start by influencing our culture. The way in which we do that, he says, is to model and demonstrate the kind of world you demand to live in. To write books, make music, shoot films, paint art. However, one of the major criticisms about Boys in the Hood was that it depicted a world that demanded gang violence. The movie ended with a conflict between Crips and Bloods and the retaliation depicted in the film sparked gang feuds on opening night that led to deaths of two moviegoers and 30 more injured. 21 theaters ended up pulling the film based on the fear that it would continue to set off violent outbursts, but even so, it was still the most profitable film of the year, even reaching a higher per screen average than Terminator 2. But the question remains. Does depicting this kind of raw, unflinching imitation of reality help or hurt our chances of becoming a better society? And I actually think Bill Clinton, of all people, answered this question pretty well back in 93 when he did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine. He was asked about violence on television and whether or not the government has constitutional authority to restrict what people can watch, and he responded by referencing Boys in the Hood, saying, quote, I do believe that the people who are making the films and the shows are just reflecting what they think the consumers want and what they think is really going on in the world. And I understand that. But because that is what is in fact going on in society, there's a synergy there that is destructive. There is a synergy and I don't think we can avoid that fact. The best thing is for us to ask ourselves what can be done to break the link without muzzling creators. For example, I watched Boys in the Hood very carefully. While it was very violent, it had no romance about the violence. That is a movie I would have wanted a lot of elementary age kids in the inner city to watch because there is no romance. It was a mean, 
ugly, sad, heartbreaking tale of basically good kids who wanted to have a decent life who had it taken away from them. I mean, I can't say it any better than that. And in 2002, Boys in the Hood was entered into the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress, a program that was established in 1989 as a way to preserve films deemed important enough to be kept for future generations and they only choose 25 films each year. Overall, Boys in the Hood taught me that the system we've created and sustained does not allow many ethnic minorities to escape a cycle of violence, poverty, abuse, and oppression. As John Singleton, the director of Boys in the Hood said, we're put out on the street for a little while and given certain parameters, but by natural order and nature, our fate is predestined. That's not something I probably would have realized so early in life had I not seen this film. Part of the responsibility of film and all great art is to hold up a mirror to society so we can see who we really are, who we've really become. I look around at the world 25 years after Boys in the Hood came out, and I don't, I don't think we've looked at our reflection quite long enough to change yet. So let's keep leaning into the discomfort, wherever we find it, and maybe run that film back one more time until we really get it. Anyway, back to Dainty. I sat in that movie theater, Dan, and at that point, I wept because I was like, my people live like this. I always knew I was black. I was never the Oreo. But because of the favor of God on my life, I was still the senior class president. I was prom queen. I was just like, there was an acceptance and it wasn't, it, there was a colorblindness if you will, to how I grew up. And it was not until I got to A&T where my fellow brothers and sisters mm -hmm. of the African-American persuasion were like, <laughs> baby girl, boofy. Like, why? why just they they called you boofy? They were like, baby girl. Because I was like, hi, Antoine. So nice What's to boofy? Meet. Can you break I, that down? It was, and, you know, it was like Whitley. It was, was almost like, like Whitley. so white, I don't know what that means. <laughs> right, and cool, no. Be cool, man. It was one of those things. No, no, it was it was like, they were, mocking, they were mocking me oh, because okay. I was a little Boofy. white girl. You know what I'm saying? This is funny that you never heard that before. You know, no, I didn't either. I was like, I know my name Boofy. is Tawana. <laughs> Boofy me. It's the separation of boo <laughs> and goofy. Is that what it is? Girl, I don't know. I was like, no, sense. I didn't even Sweetie, know. Sweetie, like, you like, you know. No, no, you did. You had to. At my age, I was just, when I was that young, just what I said, I said, no, my name's Tawana. And they were just like, mm. Nope, not anymore, it's not. It's Boofy. <laughs> so I don't know. Introducing Boofy. <laughs> like, hi, how are you? So nice to meet you. But no, but there, there, my life is a little different when it comes to that and what? that understanding. But yes, yeah, so, so that's what I said. We talk about feeling... Would you say pandered by white pandered people? Pandered, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say for me, like, well, I'm from Chicago. I'm from the south suburbs of Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the people that live where I live in that suburb were like middle class black people. So across the street from where I was from, like there were like ma like like mansions of like wealthy black people. Mm -hmm. So I was able to see like, okay, I'm privileged, but yeah, I'm still seeing stuff. And then yeah, I still know people mm. that live there. My family, like, you know, my family, you know, lived in the hood. Like it's like, it's so weird. Like in mm -hmm. Chicago, it's like such an interesting place in the outer rooms of Chicago. Like there's some places where there's like all white people in the sub, like some suburbs, like the, like the West suburbs, White folk that you know, you just know that it's yeah. white folk like mm. Bolingbrook. Like it's still black people over there, but like yeah. very seldom. Like right. um, Science Mike covered this on an episode of the Liturgist. They did an episode called Black and White about racial tension in America, and um, he talks about part of the problem for many white people is because 
we exist in these in the suburbs and in communities where we're surrounded by white people, you will occasionally have African American families who have uh, one way or another afforded themselves the ability to live within that world. Mm -hmm. So if you're a white kid growing up in that world, the only black people you ever see Mm -hmm. are the ones who are able to get themselves out of the Mm -hmm. bad situation. Mm -hmm. So then there is this inherited understanding. Like you can do it. Like it's possible. Like you you did it. And And therefore different. different. And so there's there's this sense of like uh, they are given and I still I am amazed how many white people, white adults, uh, white young people who still have this rhetoric of like, well, there are so many successful black people. (laughs) And it's like, that's true. And we need to give like those successful people like deserve credit where credit is due. But they have had to overcome from a deficit that that like a white kid from the suburbs can't even begin to understand. And I, I think like, um, the stories that always sort of surprise me are when you hear stories of like a young black kid who's grown up in predominantly white communities and the first time he learns of his otherness is when he's mistreated by a cop or he's accused of a crime Mm -hmm. or like something that he has no reason to he he has no way of understanding why that is happening Mm -hmm. to him Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden his external appearance is is a judgment of a world that he doesn't know right so I think like that's that's something that we have to seriously that's something that we have to overcome as like members of the white community yeah. is like we cannot uh, we we cannot look at the minority of African Americans in America and say that is normative right 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 like yes. the few that have the few that have done well enough mm-hmm. to leave the projects behind to leave the ghettos behind to yeah. leave poverty behind mm-hmm. we can't just say well problem solved yeah right. because the vast majority is still yeah. living within that I, my dad for instance like my dad grew up in Cabrini Greens and then moved to the south suburbs in Markham which is still like a uh, mostly black area like a lot of the south suburbs are black areas like right off like right off the express when you branch further out then it's more more white mm-hmm. But my dad grew up in communities, both parents not educated um, as far as, like, college education. Um, And, you know, he went to college, and he ended up working his way up from being a a mail carrier with the Postal Service, worked his way up to then become a a senior economist with with the government. So now, like, he has a nice job. But, like, the idea of, like, what you said, like, working your way up, like, having to overcome, like, you know, living in poverty, then your parents, like, you know, figuring out a way out, branching out, and then them not being educated, but then their kids, like, doing things to become educated. Like, that's, like, you know... There's still a lot of black families where... The kids are the first to go to, to go college. to college. Like, right. That's like, right, a, like right. a thing, mm-hmm. or the first to get like a master's. Like in my mm-hmm. family, I'm like the I'm the first person to get a master's. You know, in my mom and dad, like you mm-hmm. know, and they, and they both educated, both went to college. college right. you know? Me too. Me too. So right. it's like you know that that's not hurt. That's not really heard of in the black community. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, you get a college degree, that's cool, but then to go to back. go back to school and yeah. get it, like that's like. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, like, you, 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 do, you do big things, right? Um, so, you know, because my, my dad said that the other day, like, like, you're the first person in our family like, to get a master's. I'm like, like, I, I, in my mind, at first, I didn't think that was a big thing, but then I'm thinking, like, that is, like, I mean, I guess that is a big thing, like, to be able to continue to mm-hmm. get education. And I, think, I feel like in, in, people in general take that for granted. Like, getting an education, like, that is 
a privilege, you know? Yeah. No, but it's you know what? Privilege. You are straight ministering to me because I, as I get to thinking about it, I knew I, on either one of my parents' side, and both my parents educated huge families, but it was interesting. Only a few of them could really grasp that I was in seminary because we all born and raised in the church. But can anybody really get up there and be ordained to preach? Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> right, y'all could be deacons. Right. Right, y'all could be deacons. Well, that is a this, perfect segue into what I wanted to ask. You're like, I know. So for, for me to complete my PhD, as much as, you know, sometimes I feel like it's a cop out, I feel like I'm just, you know, running from life. But no, it's like the education is important. So I'll be the first doctor in my family. So, so. I mean, even with that, though, I think that's interesting. Um, with what you said about the church and being a part of a black church and where you say I could be a deacon, but there's maybe a ceiling on that. Um, I go to All Saints where the main pastor is a black woman named Zelda. And all the, most of the, the priests are gay. Right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I didn't know about Zelda. Right. And, and oh, yeah, she, she's, I, she's awesome. And she's I mean, a, I've never heard her speak, but just seeing her up, like when I went to All Saints, like seeing uh-huh. her up, I'm just like, wait, there's a black woman. And she's a widower. And, and she's super sweet. And, priest. Yeah. Priest. Yeah. Just, what? She's like getting it. So what is that like for you in that church? Because it seems like, like you said, you like it being tight, like being homogenous and being with your people. But if your people are also saying, we don't want you to be a pastor. Not all black churches like that. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. Yeah, so um, for me, well. Depending on what, 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 depending what, what, denom- do, right. what denomination yeah. that you're in. Um, and the, the church that I was attending um, that pastor was free with women being in leadership, mm-hmm. and um, which was good. Um, it's a whole nother side, and I'm not going to take us down a detour journey. But <laughs> again, but it still goes back to the root of not being accepted in society. Mm. The black church tradition suffers with its own repercussions of... The, the lack of acceptance in society. So then deacons and the mushers and the, yeah. the black the men. The motherboard. I'm mother, sorry. Like, no, no, seriously. The missionaries. You know, what happens is because they were... No, 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 you're right. No, 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 no. No, for so long they were boy and girl and right. nigga. So when you, when they were going to church Having the title of you are now a deacon or you are now the elder, that was a sign of respect. So people in the church called you deacon, deacon Sims or yeah. deacon, which is which is why titles are very important, important in the black community. Right. Like, so like, for instance, Dr. Seacrest, she's like, you're going to call me Dr. Seacrest because I earned this thing. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to call me you by love. love. You're not going to call oh, me yeah. my first name. And you're going to call what? me by Miss or... You yeah, know, I didn't even notice that. So like, like what she said, like like in the church, like back in the day, yeah. like when 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 we were slaves, like you didn't you didn't first of all you didn't they have named you. You yeah. sat there, they preached to you probably the 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 same sermon that says uh, slaves be good to your master and, and stuff like that. And so you you had to sit there, but then when they went went off on their own, you had the ones that was they had the Bible. Sorry, the right. ones that could read and had the Bible, and you know it was like oh this is past the so and so or. Right, right, right. You there was a delineation when you knew a little more, you were a little more educated, then you got that title bestowed upon you. So titling, it, she's right, is so important to our 
um, to our race or to our ethnicity mm. and our culture as a whole. And it's funny, the, the, the joke, we'll make it a little light. It's funny because someone had something to say because to be a first lady in the black church. Oh, you was licking the finest hat You don't understand. Because first lady. Let's throw some flesh tone stock in. No, because what that is. You are the pastor. You are the pastor's wife. And so he's pastor. You literally call him the first lady? Yeah, they're called first lady. You didn't call an unknown. No, not that you didn't. You don't. You don't. You don't understand. You call her Miss Carol. No. No, first lady. How you doing? And you, because, oh, no, because man, what it is is well, I, he's I well. The thing that. is, he's the pastor, and that's the highest title right. that you have in a church. She is his co-laborer, mm-hmm. and so oh, if yeah. she's not pastor so and so, she she get a title for being married but to the man. I feel like, but for me personally, I feel right. like that in itself. I mean, I mean, I probably right. get beat up for this. No, but like, no, 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 no. But it's, it's to me, it's so much patriarchy. Like it, it, no, it, it, it is. It's, it's so messed up. Because but where does it come from? I mean, because I, you strive to get in the big house. Of course, I, mean, I get it. I mean, I, I understand it. But it's just like this, this reputation of like the black church. Like, and there's some black churches that do it, and I, and I respect it because it's like mm-hmm. there's so much history along uh, like within our like, within our traditions, within our traditions, and like in our like you know just story of like being black people, but like. It's so much patriarchy because there is this idea of like the man's here, you know, all the bishops are men. Right. Women can never attain the idea of pastoring in the traditional black church. Not all right, right. churches that are black are like, like that. that. Yeah. Right. But it's like like, you know, Kojic, you got um the Southern Baptist, the Southern Baptist, Amy, yeah. you know, women aren't aren't able to be in leadership roles other than like missionaries, like you and it's not even real missionaries. It's like you just yeah. call them missionaries. They mission well, to what, like the. What is so what is so ironic about it? Which I I, I do hear where you're coming yeah. from. The very same system that oppressed you, when you broke off and we were able to do our own, we adapted that. So that same we thing. adapted that system. So it's like there's the the head, and the, it's almost like it's like the Catholic hierarchy. You know, mm-hmm. you have the big one, and then you well, have the bishops and the elders. To me, that, and the, well, that's the thing I hate about Christianity because like. You break off from Catholicism, but then you do the same thing over in America. Like that doesn't to me that doesn't make any sense. Like you do the same thing that you were breaking away from, that you felt so closed off and so you know inhibited by, and you do the same thing when you come over. You know, you right. it's, it's just that's the problem of humanity yeah. is this this cycle, cycle of as soon as you. as soon as power becomes an element of a church community mm-hmm. or a Christian community. As soon as anybody has like a scepter or a crown or mm-hmm. any sort Come of on. power structure, you start subverting like what Christianity is supposed to be exactly. all about. Right, right. I want to take a step back because I'm interested I'm interested in your language because it's specifically language that I would never use and I want to understand everybody's trying to get in the big house. Ah. You want to be a house nigga instead of a field nigga. nigga. Right, that's what I was going to say. But right, I, didn't I didn't feel like I didn't say that. <laughs> but so what, 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 yeah, it, I mean, it, it says that all the time. It, it, <laughs> is, it is exactly, I mean, unfortunately, it's the part of the narrative that is... Uh, it's so hurtful because even amongst ourselves, we don't like to talk, we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> Slavery... Can, can you say the F-bomb for me? It F-bombed it us up. Fuck this up. It F-bombed <laughs> us up, okay? Fuck this up. <laughs> I mean, inside, 
sideways. Dave's taking advantage of that explicit rating. You know what I'm saying? So no, my mom's gonna hate this. Do you know, so it my my mom my mom I will edit out three of those five. My mom said it twice. She said I just it was it was it was the skew in the way that you did it. and it divided us in ways and you know now I'm doing depth psychology. Our psyche is so we have PTSD from slavery and it's split, it's fragmented, it is destroyed. Post traumatic slave syndrome. It is it's real. There's who who's on she does, but there are a lot of people that are a lot more, um, uh, a lot more educators are starting to really do serious work on that. And so, yeah. the bottom line is, there was a group that they chose to work the fields, and there was another group based, based on off of skin color, yeah. color, and the yeah. way that you look. America, beautiful. Okay, so it's split, it's split culturally God, no. us in our look, and, but that's that just is always like there's always this that white man's big house is still very present in 2016 in so many different places and blacks will be like crabs in a bucket to get up to get that stamp of approval or that acceptance I think what you're saying is exactly like the big systemic thing that's hard for white people to even notice like because for in my mind and I grew up with this in the house I grew up with a dad that was like so anti um Affirmative action okay. Stuff like that mm. Like I grew up uh, Hearing that kind of stuff mm. In the house Yeah um, And it's just like Slavery under You know And Louis C.K. has that great bit Like every year White people add another Hundred years to how long ago <laughs> yeah, it's like, It was four hundred years It was four five hundred years It's not It was like Two grandmas <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, Let's break it down It's, it's not that long ago Six hundred years ago Dan it's not that long ago But that's literally That's I think that's A very true statement On like how the white brand works Where you're just like It's, t- it's 2016 bro Like slavery ended How many years ago And you guys are talking about Post traumatic slavery syndrome right. Still affecting you In the, the mindsets Of the big house And the mindsets Of the plantations And the owners And how, Can you Can you In your best estimate Like estimate Why Why do you think That mindset has been so pervasive still. Because of Ben Carson? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is a serious uh, podcast day. I'd appreciate it <laughs> if you take this a little serious. That was terrible. Is that what, but is, no, is there truth in that joke? Is it literally because there's figures that pop up every now and again and you're yes. like, okay. Oh, Ben Carson's of Republicans, so therefore, you know, like, like I just feel like a lot of things, except like, like you, like the, the object of you saying, um, you have these like minorities that like are, Come on now, get out of my head. Go, 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 go. roll with it, roll with it, roll with it. So therefore, it's like, then you have, so like nobody's, nobody's exempt from, like from getting, um, having that mentality. Hearing things, like you said, like in-house, that's all you heard. So part, like somewhere deep down, you, like you have that little nugget of what your dad said. Mm -hmm. So black people are constantly hearing things. Right. Doesn't matter. Authentic so, comments and jokes. And, so and, when and, you, and, when and, if, you, and if you live in a in a place where it's majority white, 
that's all you know until you like hear other. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's like Which you don't have to hear unless you want to unless, unless you, you want dive to in and you're and if you're cool yeah. with the white people, like, you know, they see me as, you know, mm-hmm. is, you know, it's my homeboy. Yeah. Here we go go right. <laughs> And then you know <laughs> Like O. J. Simpson open. syndrome. Yeah. Like yeah, were they no, did you watch see, that documentary? Right. It was but no, oh, but it's things like that. Yeah. Exactly. You become like you become the to- the token. So yeah. So many tokens, there's so many things or like you're accepted here, you're accepted there, so therefore you think like, Oh, I'm good. You know? And that's and that's the thing. It's exactly what you were talking about, Dan. There's like, well, there's one family. They've made it. Yeah. They've gotten. They've pulled themselves up by it. the bootstrap. Yeah. So being lazy, you, let's get you know, it. It's the Protestant so work ethic. So if you wonder, if you wonder why yes. it is so pervasive amongst us, because un- unconsciously. There's a there's a complex amongst white people that still put that's the house nigga they made it right. do you see what I'm saying yeah. but all the rest of them they're filled they need to find it they need to get off of welfare they need to stop you having know. them do you see what I'm saying so yes. it's this underlying thing that is prevalent for us as a complex as a culture I'm trying to I'm just trying to remember what no. I'm gonna, what oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> The Protestant, like you said, the Protestant, Protestant work. It's a fallacy of the Protestant it's, work. I, the yeah. idea that you can work and work and work and work and yeah. work and work and work and work the hard deeds? and you know mm-hmm. and you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just keep working and like then gonna happen. But in a system where shit's fucked up and it's based off of skin color, based off of yes. like you know this idea of like. White, white is right. The systemic injustice, it, whiteness, white, just you know, whiteness. And, and it, that's not saying. And I, and, and I just feel like for so often, like when people hear that, and when I feel like when white people hear, that, they hear like they think white is bad. No, it's not bad. White, white is not bad. Color, skin color is not bad. Right. It's the fact that back in the day, when 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 they brought black black folk over here, and they told the the poor white people that were just as poor as the black people that you can make it. Because you're white, yeah. that's you're what started it. It's yeah. like you, it's, you're poor, but it's gonna be okay because you're white. So then you got these poor white people thinking that they can make it because they're white. So then that 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 perpetuates hate. So they're in the, even even a different realm than the, the the rich white people that came over here from wherever they came from with their money, and they're just thinking. So like, I feel like that's where the hate that it is like it was, because it was, like, it was the hue poor and the gets color poor, of the skin. Because right. poor poor affects everybody. It doesn't matter what color you are. Yeah. But this idea when you when you when you bring in color like what happened back in the day like far back in the day, which we seen regular rhetoric like this in uh, in racing identity that oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that documentary that talked about like oh, the, the yeah, different yeah, soaps yes. and stuff and yes. and this idea of like even putting like Native Americans on the soap yeah. and calling it black like it's like no that like you got this kid with this you know like top knot thing and hmm. you're saying that they're black they're black because, but it's not you but know it's not but this idea of anything other than this, like this that's that's what's wrong and it's like and I feel like it does the injustice even to white people that are confused that don't even know what's going on and they're not even like you know like spewing this hate like or even saying these things and they're just like I'm just I haven't said anything bad at all like I just feel like it just does a disservice to everybody well I yeah. think like what well, I probably uh, I, I was just listening to um, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast and he talked about how um, majority populations have a tendency to try to make amends for the wrongs that they've committed historically by elevating 
a minority. And uh, uh, he specifically... Right. Like he, a president? Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, uh, he specifically... Like a president? Uh, like a president? So he specifically yeah. talked about how... That's like this will happen with Hillary. We, That's yep, what's going to happen we are, with Hillary. We, if, if Hillary is elected, we will see a similar thing happening in the feminist movement. Right. Because by electing Barack Obama, and I'm a big Barry fan, I'm going to miss him. Um, <laughs> by electing Sorry. Barack Obama as a fan of comedy yeah, I'm gonna miss him he's, he's the funniest president like, that we no, no, Barry, no, no, he Barry O baby a <laughs> huge portion of the American population had this cathartic moment of like we did it a black man's president yeah like that it's racism is over the highest position in the land is occupied by a black man whose middle name is Hossein high, f- high fives everybody yeah. like yep. um so there's this <laughs> Muslims are all the hook too not two birds what was it two birds and one stone so there was there's this like everybody like is like oh we're we're good we're absolved we're, over it. we're absolved there we is. are forgiven that that, that's what they thought their uh, uh, oh, restitution was black man's president on. racism is over it's what dead. are you talking it's about you guys were saying this old shit look, look, years years later, 700 years ago what are you doing yeah. so you <laughs> add another <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I think it's it. I think it's directly linked to the fact that we've seen this huge reversal. We've mm-hmm. seen this huge reaction in people being angry because four I, the, years was okay, but eight. Okay, he got to go. <laughs> well, and he also, go. I, no. he has had again as a as a lover of Barack Obama. He has had to play it so safe. Yeah. Okay. He has been more he black things publicized in his watch, and that's been purposeful. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, because he's on his way out. He's on his way out, so you're going to be like, oh, well, well, black men's president, but, well, but yet, you know, black people are still dying, and then they throw the thing out, well, black on black crime, you know? So right. Well, no, well, Trayvon was a hard time. I do not know how, I mean, he did the best that he could, but it's, again, but see, can we talk about, guys, that's what happens to us when mm-hmm. you're chosen as the token. Mm-hmm. There's that double consciousness. W.E.B. Dubois talks about it. We can never you better just... say Dubois, we, not Du Bois. <laughs> we, Ooh, we got culture in here. We, we cannot... <laughs> you better say <laughs> Take a call. Look, Bookie knows what she's doing. Um, Bookie knows Boofy. what she's doing. Bookie knows what she's doing. Um, you know, I, I I had to educate him up at Pacifica. Joseph Campbell's always talking about your conscience. I said, well, Joseph, which one? Which one should I pay attention to? Because mm-hmm. I got two. Mm-hmm. Right. I got I the one. Two. I've got the oh, one. Oh, you know oh, that I was born into, and then I've got the one that I exist in every day. So it's you know. Barack was always like that. Every black person that gets elevated by for whatever reason, they do. You do not understand the psyche split that you walk in every day. Because see, you're gonna test me and say something to see if I'm gonna be black with it, mm-hmm. and I have to find a real diplomatic way to let you know. Ah, I see you. Right. I'm gonna comment, but then if there's somebody, one of my brothers and sisters watching, they'll be like, "Why didn't you? See, you didn't represent for why, us. Why do you? You didn't represent for us the way you could have. Why do you have to be diplomatic? Why not make us uncomfortable? We we can be. Well, he couldn't afford to. Hmm. He couldn't. Well, back in the day, unless you go into like Nat Turner or Ray now Boy, it's like dude. I'm getting ready to go I'm getting ready to go balls to the wall but I know my life oh. is ending wait till y'all you'll see, see Birth of a Nation Birth of a Nation oh the old film that I've, first film no 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 there's been a new one the one from Sunday Sunday yeah Sunday oh you told me about that we're so excited I can't 
Well, we, we can't discuss. No, you one, can't talk about it now. One about thing it. that I that I feel is like I still um, run across this is like white people are just like uh, it's just like it's uncomfortable to talk about and I'm like we need to be uncomfortable for a while but see but you come from see it wasn't until you spoke your history you come from a different narrative which is why you are such a beautiful intercessor amongst the whiteness do you see what I'm saying because you're like my skin is this but you know what but you feel otherness that's the thing being in another country most white people don't feel otherness they don't so they have when you feel it you're more open to it because you know what it feels like to be other they don't Mm. have nobody they don't have have that feeling of being other because they walk in the room and most so practical question then how do you get that if you don't if you're not born a missionary's kid you immerse yourself in otherness but what does that look like like help someone like what like say like I would say like maybe Go visit a black church. Right. Go visit a go, go visit, visit a black, black church. church. Allow me to, allow me to plug Hope's House. Hope's House, Hope's House is amazing. Hope's House up in uh, yeah. it's uh, up off the five in the valley. What is that, Glendora? Where is that? <laughs> no, it's up near Burbank. It's oh, off it's the one eighteen. Have you guys been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Fantastic. I love it. Okay, okay. Hope eat, House. Eat breakfast. House. Big Hope's. breakfast before you go there. Church is long. Oh, they take church oh. pretty seriously. <laughs> oh, no, it's about two, two, two and a half. Two and a half. Oh, okay. You got the spirit moves. Three or four. Uh, you don't push the spirit. No. No. You don't push the spirit. That's even sin. Even, okay. And that's the sin. sin. That's the first and sin the that God said. And the reprint. All it takes. God. Oh. All it takes is one person. As the song is dying down, Ooh. all it takes is one person to be like, "Hey!" Oh yeah. Because somebody. How did you guys feel? Did you guys go to a service together or separate? No, I went with uh, we, a friend. Yeah, I went with some other. Have you ever friends. come to my Thanksgiving? With a black friend? No. Yeah, my friend. <laughs> I, did. I did. She brought me. But but the church was in- incredible, and it was uh, of course it's the second black church I've been to where they've done this, where they go, "Is anybody new?" Is anybody first time? And I stand up. Yep. <laughs> and as soon as they do the uh, their version of passing the peace, I got the whole congregation in a line. Whether not it's fake or not, it, 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 took, it took me three years to meet my pastor at my old church. I met the pastor the first day. Walked yeah, up and shook my hand. And found me in the back. And, and one. Like, of, and I will say, at Hope's house, one of the lead pastors is a woman. Okay. Yeah, my yes. pa- my mm. from back home, my past is a woman. So yeah. like, I, I, it was phenomenal. I, I mean, it was so, a great. So, and I'm not yeah. saying you have to go and join a black church to get otherness. But I mean, I wasn't asking for me. I was just asking right, for right. Did you like, know? In general, in general. But <laughs> no, no but it's that. It's I don't that, know if everybody knows, but like, Colton no, goes to All Saints. It's very inclusive. Okay, so let me say this. Let me not let me not make it just so easy because. There's a there's a there's a side where you could go to all black church and you could feel uncomfortable. You could be like, oh my god, this Never is mind. so intense, it's so overwhelming. But I feel like you have to be open immersed and, and open to a, right. a certain degree in order to be like, okay, wow, that felt weird. So now let me use my intelligence to be like, oh shit, this is how black people feel most of the time, every day of their life when they walk into environments. And but you know what? Yeah. I haven't got to. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. Right? No, no, no. Seriously, I've gotten to the point. I never. I'm bigger than bigger black. Hey, hey, hey. Um, I oh, don't. a big question. There is okay. There, there is double consciousness all the time, but I have flowed. So like the it's called code switching. Oh yeah, yes. you code switch so easily. Like I don't like I put me in all white and black. Oh, yeah. what? They, what? they have like videos of Barack doing that. And like look look what he's doing. Right, <laughs> right. Just like you know. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. So when I went to Hope's house, it was right after all the shit went down in Dallas. Like all of the, the a, sh- yeah, right after the week with Alton Sterling. Oh, it was okay. right, and I was. 
I was so surprised because um, they never mentioned it. They never mentioned it. And All Saints did, like, a whole thing about it. But All Saints is still predominantly white, although it's progressive. They're cool. This is such a cool it's, vibe in there. Yeah, it's cool. And they did, like, a whole day of, like, memorial. And they of did course. a special thing. And I went to this all-black church. And I was surprised. I'm like, oh, here we go. We're going to, like, really talk about it. We're going to dive in. And it was just, like, nothing had happened. And I was like, no, no, I was like, explain not, this to no, me. because no. what, did she, yeah. what did she say? Because the thing is, what you have to understand is... It unfortunately is the norm for us, and mm, so that's kind of what I was. That's what we're wondering. What I was like, "Are you guys so? It, it depends. To be, White churches everywhere are going to be like, we're going to pray for Dallas because officers died and, and people now, are getting you killed." Know what? But it, I want to be a little controversial. We're going to talk about Dallas okay. whenever you do it. Go ahead. But it depends on where you are because there's some like some places like depend on like. So my, my church is in the suburbs, and I know for a fact that they did something, like, on, like, all the, like, the different shooters in my past. Yeah. So, like, always mm-hmm. brings it up just because, like, that's just mm-hmm. what it is. But depending on where you are, that, like, especially in Chicago, I don't, I don't know, I can't speak for any of the black churches in Chicago, right. but I'm just, like, death happens almost every day. Yeah. And sometimes it's black on black, sometimes it's cop black person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just, it's just... It's affecting your yeah, congregants so on long. a daily basis. And it's just basis. like, well, you know... We'll just send a prayer up. Just, you we know, do. You send a prayer up. And it isn't like a, oh, just a regular prayer, but you're like, another, we've lost another right. one. Right. Or like, another sheep has been slain. You don't even want to talk about it. Well, that, you. That's, what, that's the only thing I could rationalize on the drive back mm-hmm. was like, and well, then the closing song that went on for a good 15, 20 minutes was, it's going to work. It's going to work. Because and it was just dancing and running because around. Because it, it, it was it, the most upbeat. Black, it is right. a black safe If you give up, it's like, what do you do? Right. I feel like, which is why, part of the reason why, like, for me, like, like and being a Christian or like believing in God is like I just think about like the power of like slaves like mm-hmm. even grasping a, a coming across of the middle even in, even in the yeah. even in the, in the part where white people were like trying to use that same scripture to capture you mm-hmm. but yet yeah, you found liberation or some hope in it right I think that up every day you even, didn't commit we don't even, commit suicide oh that was this is literally the next point I wanted to ask so okay. Okay, finish your even thought I but about, I want to I want to touch that, that the thing that makes me even hold on to it more I think about Nat Turner and I think about him being used as a tool to go around to different plantations to speak to the slaves to talk about how to keep them enslaved yeah. and all of a sudden he had a conviction to be like wait what the fuck am I doing like mm-hmm. how how am I speaking this message to the people that are enslaved that be good to your masters and then he just had a switch in the like I need to be free so yeah. it's like I feel like God speaks in different ways whether or not we recognize it or not right. anyway like I feel like God speaks in different ways it's like yes. that same message that was used to capture us we found liberation in it and then then it came to pass like I just feel like those slaves that were there, and they already had a sense of religion before Christianity yes, was even yes, given. Yes, and they already yes, understood yes, yes. this idea of God and an evil, evil power and a devil and a you know. Yeah. So it's like, for me, I just think that that's the thing that I, this idea of hope. Like we can't like if we if we say that God is a good God, we can't be in in in, in slavery this long. We can't be mm. in, in 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 this situation this long. Even though it's, it's it sucks, but it's like why would I want to live a life where I'm always thinking that some bad shit is going to happen to me? Well, right. no, I, I want you to say your point, but okay. the, 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 don't lose it. Um, that's like I said, we won't get into the theology of it. But the black when I read about, uh, we had to read like the black and white. Protestant by Sheldon and someone else. Please forgive me. We'll look it up. We can edit it out because it's horrible. But yes, you read it. 
well portions of it yeah. uh, but no but you know what hooked me was he like, talked about the black like, talked about the black sacred cosmos and that's what we did yeah. and the fact is we would sit in and we could hear the masters speak from the bible that we read some of us couldn't some of us couldn't and he'd tell us you're supposed to do this you're supposed to do this and we created this thing that was like we're talking about the same God. We're reading the same Bible, but the interpretation is so completely different. Mm-hmm. And yes, so we created. Yeah. So you and I have this conversation about um, to most African Americans, he's the God of the oppressed. Yeah. To a lot of whites, he's the God of grace. Right. Well, yeah. he's grace for you because you've never been oppressed. Mm-hmm. You don't know how he can bring you out. That's mm-hmm. why we relate to the Israelites. We relate to certain things, and so and. And mm-hmm. my basis of God is not based off of scripture. It's not based off mm-hmm. what I read. This is based no, off what, what you know. What you experience. Black folk didn't read. Right, right, right. Black folk didn't read. So it's about the experience about what was manifested Even though in they that would do pick cotton all day, it was his spirit. That's why, okay, and we'll say this and then you gotta get to your question. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think white America does not understand. It's the black spirit. We have soul unlike no other. And not that we just put music and and creativity. How we can pick cotton all day, get beat, get caught outside our names, and then go into our little hovels, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, little huts, and still act like we were a family. Act like we were a family. We rise above, but that's a spirit in us. That wasn't anything we did as man. Mm -hmm. Like in our own manness, in our own humanness. We didn't do that. There was a spirit that drove us and said, you get up, you do this. This is not your pl- This is not your plight for life. You anyway. about the show? Give me the talking in another right. language yeah. now. Yeah. Stop. Okay, go ahead. Dave's uh, <laughs> running in. But you gotta imagine yeah, that. Yeah, imagine that one. Too dignified to run a lap in here. So that's one of the things me and Dan actually started talking about before you guys got here was. The, so, this, the emerging so notion. Uh, so, sorry. So, so, so. Well, somebody was late. <laughs> <laughs> it's a black thing. That was definitely a stereotype. I swear right. to God, if somebody See, says that. Tawana was on time, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm in route. We were talking about. You're supposed to laugh. What are you doing? <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. He found it. He found it. We'll catch you next time. That was a pleasure having you. No, we were talking about white fragility and we're talking about like the highest suicide uh, rate is middle class white males in their it's, it's slightly in their like it's, 40s right it's slightly more affluent white males yeah. it's slightly above middle class I'm so it's not the guys who are working factories and coal mines right it's, it is and it, it's not even the guys who are it's the guys who are uh they're comfortable enough to be super bummed out. Kevin Spacey, about American it all Comfortable, yeah. right, was right, deep. Right, no. Comfortable enough to be super bummed out and think about it. We talked about this. Our God, first guest, no, our first guest quote, on the show, quote, quote. Yeah. our first guest on the show. We talked about um, the privilege of having an existential crisis. The, the, <gasps> I don't see. Yeah, on, like don't falling see, down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The movie from back in the yeah, day. like the, the privilege that it takes to be like. Why am I here? What does this all mean? And yeah. it's like you're not having to like you're not having to pick rice right now. You're yeah. not having to slave away in a gold mine. You're not a child soldier. Yeah. Like you have a minute to sit and think and like be on Facebook and be like, what is my life? What is my yeah. life? 
And so it Ooh, creates the privilege of having an existential crisis. Bro, you dropping just n- like, nuggets. Nuggets. Why are you? Because you don't see his This was this was a conversation. This is premium white folk right here. High class. But we were talking about how the suicide rate is probably so high for affluent white males because they were told they could have whatever they wanted. They were told the world was theirs. And then as soon as it got a little bit hard or they, or whatever the case might be, they had to work hard or it just didn't come to them. They didn't get, not all their dreams came true. Then they were left with this sense of like, what's the point? I didn't get everything I wanted. They probably wouldn't be able to phrase it that way because that's so reductionistic. But that sense of like, what, what, like, why? Like, what am I doing? What's this all for? I guess it doesn't matter. As opposed to coming from a place of oppression where every win is a win. Yes. Yes. Ooh, that's Damn, it's you are safe. You, you know what? It's for prophecy. Alright, quick disclaimer on what you're about to hear, which will be the ending of this episode. You know us by now, if you've heard a couple of these episodes, you know we like to come in with a very clean, polished, practiced voiceover, um, an interlude that kind of helps move the episode along. And in this instance, Dan had one of those. Uh, He had written one. He'd spent hours on it. It was good. But when it came time to deliver it, he just couldn't do it. Uh, It didn't feel right, and he didn't want to put it out there. And both of us have a high bar for this podcast. We want everything we do to be as good as it could possibly be. And we don't want to do anything that's not authentic. Um, And that's what he was struggling with. So we just hit record. um, And we talked for a little bit. And I asked him just a very simple question, which will be the start of the voiceover. And uh, we'll just kind of let it roll. It's essentially completely unedited, except for a little sound issue we had kind of in the middle. I hope you appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back with part two in the weeks to come. Thanks. Why was it so hard to write a voiceover on this? I don't, I, cause, cause I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get why this is such a huge issue for so many white people in America. I don't get why it's so hard to just take responsibility. I don't get why it's so hard to like, look at a shill, like to, to look at a shit filled bed and be like, Oh fuck, we shit the bed. Look at all this shit everywhere. We got to clean this up. But instead, like, white people are lying in the bed, like, no, 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 this is all good. This is fine. We're all lying in a shit-covered bed together. Well, like, I don't want to lie in a shit-covered bed. And especially when I know that it was my people responsible for it. And I, and I, and I think, like, it, we do have to take responsibility. Like, it's ridiculous that this, this whole argument of... Well, I've never done anything. I never enslaved anybody. Uh, it wasn't. It was. Yeah, yeah. But you benefited from this system. You have benefited from this world that was built by your ancestors. This this system was specifically constructed so that some people had a better shot at a, a good life, had a better crack at a good life. I I have a hard time talking about this because I don't understand why people don't see it i don't know i'm just i'm so fucking mad about it and i can't imagine how african americans must feel in this this fucking country man like
if I feel as frustrated as I feel and I'm the beneficiary of the crime, then what does it feel like to, to have to play by different rules, to have to, to have to, to feel like success is cheating the system. Like if you succeed, you made it out, you beat the stack, you beat the house in a rigged game. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the America, the great land of the free that I grew up hearing about. I have no reason to be mad, so I can only imagine how mad the people are that actually have a legitimate reason to be mad. I mean, the moms that have had to bury their kids. Like, for for what? The educational system has failed them. They feel trapped by poverty and violence and drugs. So they do the only thing they can do, and they play into the system that's been presented to them, and they lose. They lose in they lose in numbers that white kids growing up in the suburbs can never understand. We should all be furious about it. I don't know. I racked my brain trying to come up with articulate, artistic, humorous, interesting ways to explain my feelings and explain what I think the problem is, but I couldn't do it because I guess I don't really know why I should have to explain it. I don't really get why I should have to explain it. It's so clearly not equal. We don't all live in the same America. I get madder and madder and madder the more stories I hear about how afraid my black friends are when they get pulled over. When I hear about how less likely somebody is to receive a job because their name sounds too ethnic. And I'm just tired of white people getting in the way, white people insisting on their rights, their comforts, insisting on their way of life with no regard for the fact that their way of life is impeding the right to life to others. And I feel embarrassed that I'm having to learn about this stuff in my late 20s. I'm getting mad about this stuff in my late 20s. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing being asleep for as long as I've been asleep. It must be so lonely feeling like you're... feeling like you're screaming about a problem and nobody hears you. Nobody acknowledges you. And where some people just see you screaming and all they can ask is, well... What did you do? It's fucked up. I think it's funny that white people in America read the Bible and they make constant comparisons to the Israelites. But we're not the Israelites. We're the Babylonians. We're the Egyptians. We're the Canaanites. We're the power class. We're the ones holding the whips and the chains. And the whips and the chains change shape over time. They still exist. Step one is just admitting that they still exist. Step one is just recognizing that there's a problem. Step one is just recognizing that we sit in a privileged position. And if we can't even do step one, if people can't even take responsibility for step one, then nothing's going to get done. I wish that as the white race in America, 
we could just collectively say sorry. We could just collectively admit that we fucked up. We treated you poorly. We committed crimes. Crimes that we never really had to pay for. And we're still benefiting from those crimes. And we're sorry. A lot of us maybe weren't actively engaged in committing the crimes, but we have more than certainly spent the money from the heist. And we're sorry. Sorry is just, it's just step one. And we're having such a, such a hard time doing step one. I'm sorry for that too.